how's it going? This is the third episode of Ember After, and it's a split following week as we chat lights out and David Brent. Joining me to help make up the wee part of that sentence is returning grumpy tweeter, Joseph Rankin. Hello, hello, hello. I'm not that grumpy. Come on. I'm, I'm okay. You're really grumpy on Twitter. Everyone's grumpy on Twitter. It's where you vent your frustrations and anxieties and problems. <laughs> it sounds like you just like accepted what I said. Well, okay. There's no arguments, really. We've been to see a new horror film this week, Lights Out. It's got a gimmick that has already had me terrified of the dark. So, shot of, like, what's it about? The plot was first conveyed in a really interesting short film, about two minutes long movie, on the internet about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And what they've done is convey that plot into a movie that lasts around two hours long, uh, focuses on the re-emergence of a supernatural entity in a family's orbit, let's say, and the consequences of this creature being about them. So it's somebody who can basically, who thrives in the darkness. You just talk 20 minutes to say it. Right, okay. <laughs> so what did you think? Uh, really interesting. Actually, it was impressive to see what they've done with the original source material and how they fleshed it out into such... A terrifying, a terrifying premise and a terrifying movie. The cast were all perfectly placed and chosen. There's the obligatory scared girl and scared little child who have been dragged into the misfortunes of their parents or of others, and who obviously get it so tight that you feel a bit lousy and sympathetic towards them before they turn into the superheroes of the movie and. Did it scare you? One thousand percent. There was a party of eight that went to see it, and every single one of them walked out of the cinema saying the ghost's name or saying the creature's name to terrify everyone else. There was a lot of creeping about dark houses <laughs> afterwards, jumping out and scaring the SH one T out of each other just to get the the frights going again. It was a very terrifying experience. I really can't see myself sleeping after seeing it. I don't. I don't want to go back into my bedroom and they turn off the lights <laughs> just to go to sleep. And it's just like, ah, uh, please, what? Why did I see this? Why did I do this to myself again? <laughs> Every time I go to a horror film, the half scares me. I'm just like, seriously, why do you do this, Ethan? Well, there's an there's an interesting point where you get to watching so many horror films, which is what a lot of summer and Halloween has been spent doing for the past couple of years for me is watching a lot of horror films. Most of them have been about wick, where you're just watching and thinking, this is about naff. But this one was a genuinely interesting, terrifying ride into what most people fear anyway, is the thing that, that lies in the dark. So it was an, an intriguing look into, into that fear, into the general fear of everyone. Thanks very much. I've also been to see the newest comedy kind of out, the new British comedy with David Brent, Life on the Road, where it sees David Brent himself, the man out of, played by Ricky Gervais from the UK office back in like 2002, who made a film of himself then, and he's back making a film of himself now, and he's off on a wee tour, like a midlife crisis, kind of like, no, I'm not going to do it now, when, when am I ever going to do it? And although it drove my cringe glance through the roof, I was grabbing onto the back of my chair while sliding down. I couldn't get much lower into the chair. But there was just so much laughs throughout it that the cringe was kind of counterbalanced 
And it's similar to the sort of in-betweeners kind of comedy where you're kind of loving watching it and like you're laughing away, but you're cringing like under your back teeth whilst it's all going on. And <laughs> But the film also does a trick of it really finally makes you feel sorry for the character. Whereas, in, I think in the actual ser- the TV series, you just didn't like him. Whereas now, although you might not like him, you're feeling sorry for him. You, you, you appreciate the loneliness involved in being his, his character and his personality. And how people are kind of so rude to you. A likeable character, but being completely feckless as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, it's... You're, you're, you're annoying. Nobody really likes you. Nobody can really talk to you. But you feel sorry for somebody like in that situation because there's not massive harm in them. He might be slightly racist, but it's not on purpose, nearly. <laughs> that kind of way. An idiotic racist. <laughs> Pretty much. He, he's... When I first came to the following, I was kind of like, he seems like a subpar Alan Partridge. And that's kind of what I got, but that was pretty good because I love Alan Partridge. So overall, I, I did really enjoy the following. I ended up giving it four stars, which is pretty damn good considering I was going unexpected, maybe two. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Anything that can make you laugh as often as it did deserves a good rating. There's only two good types of films, and it's either horror or comedy. Or a mixture of two, apparently. Sorry. Well, you've ju- you you <laughs> you probably just invalidated your opinion for any other film we ever do. Well, I mean, they're my top favorites. Two films are horror and comedy. They're up there with the very highest. They're the best genres of movies involved. So blast. In my opinion, you can argue that. Answer in a postcard, please. <laughs> you wish to argue that. A list of the BBC did with critics all over the world except for Ireland apparently got people's favourite or what they think is the best films of the 21st century so from like 2000 slash 2001 people are arguing about a bit of pedanticness there about when the 21st century started but Mulholland Drive is what came top so I thought right finally I've never seen a David Lynch film I've never seen Mulholland Drive I'll watch it it's on Amazon Prime bam let's go and I watched it I kind of unfortunately I had to watch it in two segments so I watched the first hour and a half and was like I'm following this ground. People said this is confusing. There's a few weird parts, but it's largely fine. And then I came back and watched the final hour, final 45 minutes or so, and it kind of goes off a weird, massive cliff, and I was lost. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I thought I was following this ground. I thought, like, I was actually thinking for a while, like, <laughs> people thought this was confusing. Oh, oh, okay. I, 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 I don't know what's happening now. Okay, okay, this, this is great. This is fantastic. Everything's fine. It's, it's, I'm just imagining the meme where like the dog's sitting there and everything's on fire around it. That was me watching Mulholland Drive pretending I understood it. Everything's fine. This is how it goes. I end up the film critic wrote a quote, pretty good essay online and and that's what I end up reading the next day and that explained it all to me and I felt good and I was like, oh, I did actually kind of half get some of this and I just assumed <laughs> I was making that up to make myself feel better. Whereas it turned out I was on the right path but just didn't trust my interpretation of the film well enough. For now though, until next week. Have a happily ember after. It's a bye from me, and it's a bye from me. Thanks for that. <laughs>